0: Hello and welcome to Japan Media Tour. I'm your host, Stephen TM, and today we're going to be talking about the melodic Japanese rock band Supercar. The band, which hails from Aomori Prefecture in the north of Japan, was active from 1995 to 2005 and made their major debut in 1997 with the single Cream Soda. Supercar is a quartet with both male and female vocals. They experimented with a lot of different sounds, starting as more or less a shoegaze band and adding more and more electronic elements as time went on. By the time it was all said and done, they were one of the most beloved and influential bands of their era. But before we get deeper into our main topic of the day, I want to talk a little bit about Japanese convenience stores or combini. Now, I'm sure you've all heard about these magical shops and the cheap and delicious food they serve. But let me just give you a quick overview of a few of the main combini chains. So I'll start with one of the heavy hitters right off the bat, Family Mart. Um, This combini is most famous for its fried chicken, which is called Famichiki. And to me, it's worth the hype. It's uh, crispy on the outside and very, very juicy. I'd almost say alarmingly juicy. I've never had anything else quite like it. A little pro tip too. Family Mart sells these buns with tartar sauce um, that are meant to be bought in tandem with Famichiki. So you can make a little Famichiki sandwich. Uh, there's not that much sauce on it, but it's it's a nice little bun. Make yourself a sandwich. It's pretty good. So. In my opinion, Family Mart probably has the best fried chicken of the combinis, but their bakery is not as good as some of the others. Uh, they're a little lacking in that department. And next up is Daily Yamazaki, our second chain, also known as simply Daily, uh, which, unlike Family Mart, is most famous for its bread. Uh, this is because Daily Yamazaki is owned by the largest baking company in Japan. So, yeah, Dahlia is a good place to get some buns or some little pastries or something like that. Uh, next, we'll look at Lawson, which I would say is pretty good all around. Um, for one thing, I think they have the best beer selection. Um, yeah, they've got some different craft beers and stuff that like that, and they've got all the classics that you would want anyway. Uh, Lawson also has natural Lawson, which is... um, Well, they sell healthier options that you can't really get in a regular kombini, And uh, they also have hyaku-en Lawson, which is cheaper than other kombinis. And they have 100 yen chicken called hyakchiki. And uh, hyaku means 100, by the way, as in 100 yen or roughly $1. So it's like a dollar store slash konbini. You can think of it that way. Uh, lastly, we'll talk about 7-Eleven, of course, the king of kombinis. Um, I didn't want this to be the case, but I think 7-Eleven is probably my favorite Japanese convenience store overall. Um, some people actually like their chicken, which is called nanachiki, better than Family Mart. And I don't think that's a ridiculous take or anything. Um, I still like Family Mart the best, as I said, but I, I don't think 7 is that far behind. And Lawson's is good too, by the way. There's there's a lot of good fried chicken in these convenience stores in Japan. Uh, by the way, 7 chicken is called nanachiki because nana is the Japanese word for seven. Uh, 7-Eleven's bread and bentos are also quite good. So it's hard to go wrong at 7-Eleven in Japan. Um, so that's the rundown of the big four kombini chains that are absolutely everywhere in Japan. Seriously, they're on every corner. And sometimes there are two 7-Elevens right across the street from each other, or two family marts right across the street from each other. Um, when I lived in Nagoya, I could get to three 7-Elevens, all within a 10-minute walk. And in that same walk, pass two Family Marts and a Lawson as well. It's pretty ridiculous how ubiquitous these convenience stores are. Um, Most of them are also open 24-7. And a lot of people eat here every single day. I ate there most days, I would say. Most days I got... At least a snack or maybe my lunch at the Combini, which is you know probably not the healthiest way to live, but that's what I did. Um, I might go into greater detail about combinis in another episode because I've barely even scraped the surface of what they offer, um, but that's all on that topic for today. So let's get to the heart of this episode and talk about the rock band Supercar. So while they are a rock band, first and foremost, they actually covered quite a few genres during their 10-year run. Uh, They made everything from shoegaze to electronic and have been compared to bands as diverse as Echo and the Bunnymen to Dinosaur Jr. to Nirvana. I'm not really sure if I see the Nirvana comparison that much, though. I hear people say that, but maybe more like Radiohead or something. Um, But where did it all begin for Supercar? So, it began in Aomori, the northernmost prefecture on Japan's main island of Honshu. It's a rural area which is famous for apples. Uh, Seriously, look that up. Um, They've got the monopoly on apples in Japan. You'll see that everywhere, Aomori Apples. Um, In 1995, a 16-year-old Miki Hurukawa posted on an ad on a bulletin board at a live music venue, or some sources I read also say in a local magazine, but I think it was a bulletin board at a music venue uh, looking for bandmates. The ad said she needed all members of a band and that they were going to become professionals. In other words, serious inquiries only. Uh, usually, when people form a band in this way, I feel like it doesn't work out, but somehow it did for Supercar because everything about their rise was miraculous. Things that didn't seem to work for others worked for them. Um, they were living the dream. You know, so many regular people wish that they could. And I think when you listen to their music, you become a dreamer too. Actually, I think this is a reflection of how a lot of people feel about Japan too. It's a place people dream about going and imagine some kind of perfect life. Um, Whether this is true or not, I can't say. Um, So, Miki got a response to her her ad um, in the form of two guys who had been friends since elementary school, Koji Nakamura, and Junji Ishiwatari and their other friend from middle school, Kodai Tazawa. Um, Miki played the bass, and she was one of the two lead singers. Uh, she's sometimes actually credited for making it cool to have a female bass player in Japan. Um, maybe like uh, Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth, but Japanese, something like that. I feel like there's been a lot of influential... Uh, female bassists in rock bands so the uh, next member of the band Koji Nakamura better known as Nakako he was the other lead vocalist and also played guitar and composed the music for Supercar Junji Ishiwatari played guitar and wrote the lyrics to all of their songs Um, things ended up getting quite tense between Nakako and Junji but I'll get into that more later on. Let's focus on the good times, at least for right now. Uh, Then there's the final member, Kodai Tazawa. He was the drummer, and to me, he just seems like a pretty chill guy. Uh, I think he stayed out of most of the drama, as far as I can tell. And, yeah, actually, after the band broke up, he actually became just a regular businessman, apparently. A Japanese salaryman. Um... Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. He was just, yeah, I was in a, a famous band, and now I'm just going to work at the office for a while. So the four of them got together and made a demo tape, which they sent to Sony. Um, it only took them one week to get a response from Sony. And they were signed to Sony's uh, Doby Discs. I think that's how you pronounce it. Doby Discs label right after, uh, thus continuing their magical start. Think about how ridiculous that is. You just form a band, you make a demo, you send it to Sony, one week later they're like, yep, we're signing you. Um, By the way, Dolby Discs started in 1994 as an alternative subsidiary of Epic Records. Uh, The idea behind it was to showcase indie bands and music that didn't really fit into the mainstream world of pop music in the 1990s. So Supercar's contract was kind of like a kind of like a training contract, I guess you could say. Sony had them write songs and practice playing together as much as possible for an entire year uh, before releasing anything. This kind of reminds me how uh, J-pop labels train their idols these days, Uh, J-pop and K-pop. And I don't know, Disney probably does stuff like that too, right? Um, So in that year, Supercar made over 200 songs, Pretty impressive, considering this was the first time Nakako had ever composed music in his life, um, and that they were all still teenagers at the time. None of the band members really had experience performing live at this time either, uh, but nonetheless, they debuted after their year of training. Uh, They released their first single, Cream Soda, in September of 1997, And honestly, this is still one of my favorite songs by them. It's hard to nail down a signature sound to Supercar as they went through so many transformations over the years. But this song is certainly representative of their early dream pop type of sound. Um, As soon as you hear the distorted melodic guitar of the intro, you're going to be hooked. This is a really good song. Uh, So Supercar... Ended up putting out five studio albums over the course of their career. Uh, All of them different, and I would say all of them very good. Um, There are also some live albums and stuff like that, compilation albums. But I'm just going to focus on the main five for this episode. And actually, I listened to all five of them cover to cover to prepare for this episode. I'd heard a lot of their songs before, and I'd listened to a couple of the full albums, but this was my first time sitting down and listening to all five of their albums in full, uh, back-to-back. I hate to say it because it sounds so cliché, but their first album is actually my favorite. Uh, I'm sorry about that, but I just really like Shuge's music, and this one just has that sound. Um, Shoegaze, by the way, has a rich history in Japan with bands like Tokyo Shoegazer and one of my favorites, which is Clams. Seriously, uh, go listen to Clams. They had a very short run, but they made some amazing music. Uh, Peanut Butter Irony, kind of a weird song name, but Peanut Butter Irony is a hit, as is Lip Cream, they actually they didn't put out that much music i don't think they were very famous or anything but they just have some really good songs so just search that up on youtube or something um so the first supercar album is called three out change and it was released in 1998. i love that it's a baseball reference because japan really loves baseball it's such an important sport to that country um yeah to the sports fans out there if you get the chance to go to a japanese baseball game you should definitely do it Um, a lot of the ballparks there have that nice old-fashioned feel Um, for the most part you don't feel like you're just in some some dome that could be anywhere they all have personality they've all got uh character um i yeah i especially recommend koshien the legendary koshien so it's very nostalgic and yeah you'll think you'll you've traveled back in time for a bit which is actually something you can say about a bunch of different places in japan but yeah go check out a baseball game if you're into that sort of thing uh anyway every song on three out change is good right from the start uh the album has the song lucky which is actually the first supercar song i ever heard Um, as soon as i heard lucky i knew we had something special on our hands Sounds like I discovered them or something. But as soon as I heard that song, I just thought, wow, this is a perfect song. It's a perfect song, uh, in my mind. If you listen to no other supercar songs after this podcast, listen to Lucky. Um, I think I told you that last episode though. Uh, I hate to just pick the most popular song, uh, especially after listening to every album, but this song is popular for a reason. Um, The album has that lo-fi, shoegaze type of sound. Not as distorted as something like My Bloody Valentine. Um, But yeah, some distortion and also just impeccable melodies. Um, I can kind of hear some oasis in this album as well. Especially on the last track on the album, which is called Trip Sky. That's a good track too. Uh, Supercar's second album, Jump Up was released the following year in 1999. This album is still melodic rock. It's before they added more electronic elements. Um, It's similar to the first one, but I would say the sound is a little cleaner and less distorted overall. This album also has a really sort of romantic sound. Um, Not that Three Out Change wasn't romantic, because it was, but this one just sounds like something from a love story or something. It feels a bit like a movie soundtrack at times. I don't know how to say, but it feels feels very cinematic or something. Uh, it's a solid album. I like the song Walk Slowly. And the third album is where things really start to take a turn uh, away from rock and more toward electronic music. It's still rock, but it's morphed into something quite distant from where the band started back in the 90s. Um, This third album is called Futurama and was released in the retro-futuristic year, 2000. Uh, One year after the show of the same name and apparently completely unrelated, they chose the name Futurama as a mix of future and panorama. So it's sort of looking toward the future was their idea when they came up with that title. This is where we can start to feel Supercar create a totally unique sound, while at the same time carrying the torch passed on by bands like the legendary YMO, Yellow Magic Orchestra, and other electronic groups that put Japan at the forefront of experimental sound. Uh, I like the song Shibuya Morning. It's very serene and sounds kind of like video game music, which I like. Um, It also sounds like something that could have been in a game like Earthbound or Mother 2. Uh, Fairway also sounds like a hit to me. And White Surf Style 5 is one of the supercar songs that aficionados really seem to love. I saw a lot of people online talking about White Surf Style 5 being one of their favorite songs. So Nakako said the focus of Futurama was to make great melodies. He wanted to create simple songs that sounded almost like something anybody could make and then throw a little something unexpected in there. He started the album by adding a beat that's supposed to represent a baby's heartbeat like um, a new sound was being born or something I guess and it was really different from their previous sound, so yeah, there was a, a new life was given to this album, a new life uh, for the band. And it was another really good album. Um, their fourth album, "High Vision," was released in 2002 and was their biggest critical success. It landed on Rolling Stone, Japan's 100 greatest Japanese rock albums of all time. Um, the first song on the album, "Starline." actually it it kind of sounds like it could be a precursor for um something like the the french band m83 i know that sounds weird to say but that's kind of what it reminds me of and the album cover also looks like the m83 we own the sky music video this is obviously just a complete coincidence but i don't know i i found that interesting when i was looking at it um story writer is a big hit off this album, and that song is definitely worth a listen as well. It was featured in the anime Eureka 7, which I've never seen, but if you have seen it, let me know. Let me know if it's good. Maybe I'll maybe I'll check it out, if not just for the music. Um, two other hits off this album are Strobo and Yumegiwa Last Boy, both of which were on the soundtrack to the movie Ping Pong which I've heard is good, but I've also never seen Ping Pong, so I'll probably check that one out at some point. Um, By the way, there's a really nice movie called Linda, Linda, Linda that you should check out. It doesn't feature supercar songs, but it's based around a group of girls practicing the song Linda, Linda by the Blue Hearts for their school talent show. Um, I don't know why, I just had to throw, throw that in there, but it's a good movie. And the Blue Hearts are a legendary Japanese band. You should check out both the movie and the band because they're both totally worth it. And yeah, yeah, just l- let me know if I'm throwing out way too many recommendations, but that's kind of what I want to do. Just just send out as many as I can and you might, you might find something you like because I'm trying to send out as many gems as I can. Uh, so Supercar's final album entitled Answer was released in 2004 and i'd say it dialed back the electronic influence just a little bit compared to the previous two but it cranked the melancholic dial up to 11. that's not to say the electronic sound is gone because it's still very much alive uh, especially on tracks like bgm Uh, this is a really sentimental album I feel like they were sad when they wrote it or something. Like like they knew the end was nigh. Um I might be reading too much into that cuz all the albums have their uh melancholic aspects, but I don't know. I felt something on this one like it was it was coming to an end. That's uh yeah. Well, I I don't know if I just came up with that because I knew it was the final album, but but hey, that's how it feels regardless. Um, it's a really nice album and sounds more mature than their previous works, which would not be surprising as they were, I think, yeah, they were like 18 around that when they made their first album. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it didn't do quite as well on the charts as High Vision, but it's still a very good album and worth checking out. Overall, I don't think Supercar ever made a bad project and they are the type of band that really creates cohesive albums that are meant to be listened to from front to back it's one thing to listen to a great song it's another thing entirely to listen to a great album or you could be like me and listen to five great albums in a row and that's what they were great albums because supercar is a great band so i mentioned they hailed from northern japan and in the 90s, there was something of a northern Japanese invasion descending upon Tokyo and other populous regions of Japan. Bloodthirsty Butchers, Fowl, and Eastern Youth are all legendary bands that came from northern Japan at this time. Bloodthirsty Butchers, by the way, are really sick. Go listen to the song Hoi, H-O-O-I, if you can. That's, uh, that's one of my favorite Japanese rock songs. Definitely worth checking out. Um, actually, Northern Japan is having a similar renaissance with baseball players here in the 2020s. Just to to go back to baseball for a second. But uh, yeah, a bunch of famous players, including Otani Shohei, are from up there. But uh, that's that's a story for another day. Anyway, the year 1997 was also huge for Japanese rock. With Supercar, Number Girl, Kurudi and Nakamura Kazuyoshi, all making their major debuts that year. These bands share some similarities to Supercar, especially in the early days, but Supercar definitely went in their own direction after that. Uh, Supercar's early style may have been different from what came later, but there's always a, a thread connecting all of their music. Aside from the unrivaled melodies, there's something kind of romantic, yet nihilistic about their music. It's a, a juxtaposition between something beautiful, yet depressing. And in Japan, they might call this gap, or gap. Uh, something that is appealing because of two opposite qualities it holds. Um, you, you could see this. Uh, think of an anime where there's a tiny girl who's really strong, or something like that. Or a little cute cat that turns out to be very ferocious. This is that gyapu quality that is seen as cute or cool in Japan. And I think anywhere. I think we all kind of uh, feel something about that. But they just use that word for it in Japan. Anyway, Jinji, who wrote all the lyrics for Supercar, said that one of his biggest lyrical inspirations is Tamio Okuda. Okuda is a legend in Japan and part of the band Unicorn. He also wrote songs for the band Puffy, who actually had their own show on Cartoon Network back in the day called Hi Hi Puffy Amiyumi. Uh, Puffy, also known as Puffy Amiyumi, has some good songs too. Uh, Check out Invisible Tomorrow, which also goes by the name Friends Forever, I think invisible tomorrow might have been for the japanese release and then they called it friends forever for the international release Um, their stuff is really poppy and really melodic i feel like a lot of japanese rock in general tends to be very melodic it definitely it has its own sound Um, it's not just a copy of rock and roll that came from the us or england they definitely took it in their own direction, just like Supercar ended up doing. And back to Supercar now, let's look at the opening line of Lucky. Uh, I I hate reading out lyrics, um, but I'll do it just this once for you guys. It goes, Now I can only meet you in my dreams. Maybe it's too late to cry. Uh, Sounds like pretty depressing stuff. Uh, Sounds like kind of like emo, And Emo, by the way, hadn't really hit its stride yet when this came out. Definitely had not hit its stride in Japan when this came out. Um, Remember, they were still teenagers when Junji wrote this angsty stuff. And you can definitely feel that in the music. Um, It was a, a precursor for the Emo explosion that would be on its way not too long after. I think some people look back at music like this and think they've outgrown it, right? Um, but I still think it's really good, and I heard one guy say that people who have stopped chasing their dreams stop liking this type of music, and people who still have something they feel like they want to achieve like this music. Um, he might have just been a really big fan, though, so take that as you will, but uh, Supercar is seen as a band for all the all the dreamers out there to listen to. Uh, Supercar weren't outstanding instrumentalists or anything like that, uh, especially not in the beginning. Um, they were definitely a band that was greater than the sum of its parts. They also didn't have the quirky personalities of bands like Number Girl. See the see the frontman for Number Girl, Shutoku Mukai, who is an absolute wild man. He he's a he's a weirdo, a lovable weirdo though. Um, some say it's a miracle that a group of seemingly normal people could make such extraordinary music. And this is also how they were able to connect with their audience. They made our dreams feel achievable, like I said. Uh, Supercar's lyrics also convey this a lot of the time. Almost a a lack of confidence or something, for lack of a better word. They, they come off as really humble and relatable. Um, but here here it comes guys nothing good lasts forever and supercar broke up in 2005. there were a lot of things that led up to this but it was mostly due to the disintegration of the relationship between nakako and junji um, the two elementary school buddies there was trouble even as far back as when they were working on the album futurama um this album might be the most pivotal point in the band's history and it's reflected in how different it sounded than the previous two albums. Uh, at the time they were making Futurama, Junji said he and Nakako were not on speaking terms and that he couldn't even remember the last time Nakako said his name. Uh, you can tell this guy was a lyricist. Uh, he's practically got half a song written just one in that one line right there. Uh, Junji said he really wanted to keep the band together, but in the end, it was impossible. Nakako wanted to make music that he said wasn't possible with Supercar. Uh, He needed something new. Their last live show was at Studio Coast on February twenty sixth, 2005. The venue has unfortunately since closed forever. Uh, Junji wanted to continue the band so badly that at the final show, he just kept playing his guitar long after the final song had ended. Uh, Some of this might be hearsay, but Junji apparently said he didn't want Miki or Nakako in his life anymore, and he said they didn't care much for his lyrics. Um, Yeah, it's it's too bad to see the band fall apart like this, but again, that's just what happens, especially when there's such a, a radical shift in your sound. If there's a radical shift in the band's sound, then it happens in their lives as well, right? At least it should if they're truly connected to their music in that way. Um, so Junji now works as a music producer, uh, working with the likes of Nine Millimeter Parabellum Bullet and Um Junji has also written lyrics for the artist Superfly and for the K-pop group Girls' Generation on their song Paparazzi. Uh, Miki and Nakako went on to form something of a supergroup called Lama with Kensuke Ushio who's done a lot of soundtrack work. If you look him up you'll you'll recognize some of the things he's done. Uh, uh he made music for a bunch of anime like Chainsaw Man which I know is very popular right now and the movie A Silent Voice which is a pretty good animated movie as well. The final member of Lama is Hisako Tabuchi, and she's kind of a legend in Japan, uh, as she was a member of both Number Girl and Bloodthirsty Butchers, Um, both amazing bands, by the way. Those are really sick bands. Um, I decided to watch the last live performance of Supercar on YouTube just before finishing this episode. It was really good. All their live stuff sounds really good. Uh, It would have been nice to see them in person, It's just a reminder now, go see your favorite band next time they come to town. Don't miss them because one day it's gonna be too late. I've missed too many bands that I love and I'm never gonna get the chance to see them again. So I know I threw out a lot of comparisons today as I was trying to put my finger on what makes Supercar, Supercar, but that's just it. There is no other band like Supercar. Sure, some other bands sound like them sometimes, but it's rare for a band to be so varied and also so consistently good. I guess my final message for this episode is to go out and listen to some music from other parts of the world, whether it's Japan or somewhere else. Just when you think you've heard it all, there's a lot more great stuff out there. The same goes for movies or art or anything. That's why I'm taking you on this Japan media tour after all. I hope I did Supercar some measure of justice, for those of you who are huge fans of the band, and I hope I opened the door for some others to discover some of the great music Japan has to offer. Man, what a journey. Um, I love Supercar, but that's it for now. Stay tuned for my weekly recommendation, as I think this is a really good one, especially for music lovers. All right, so if anyone has plans to visit Kyoto, then first of all, I'm jealous. And second of all, I've got a really nice little bar for you to check out. It's called Pop Pizza, and as the name suggests, they've got pizza and they love music. It's good pizza too. New York style, by the slice, which is rare in Japan. Though it seems like it's becoming more common. You're seeing slice joints start to pop up all over the place. Um, they regularly host live shows, mostly punk and pop-punk bands from what I've seen, uh, which is the type of music I love, uh, which is a type of music I love. It's a great place to grab a beer, uh, get a slice and meet some new people. Everyone was really friendly there. Um, it's always been a friendly atmosphere when I've been there. And honestly, I wish I lived across the street and could go there every weekend. Uh, The owner is a super nice guy, so please go support his nice little business. And guys, don't cry because Supercar is gone and never coming back. You can still go to Pop Pizza and discover some amazing band that no one's ever heard of before. They also have some big bands play there too, though. Um, The band The Wimpies played there recently. Uh, I love their song Isolation. Go check that out. Another hit. Um... So I hope you get something out of my little recommendations. If you ever go to Japan, I I try to provide you with some spots that most people wouldn't go to. So yeah, I hope there's some value in these recommendations for you. Uh, Let me know if there's something specific you're interested in. Uh, Maybe I can tailor these recommendations a little bit more towards what you guys are looking for. So I hope you enjoyed hearing about Supercar today. I had fun listening to about eight hours of their music while I planned this. Um, next week, we will be returning to the cinema to talk about one of the most legendary Japanese films of all time, Yasujiro Ozu's Tokyo Story. I'm nervous already, but I'll do my best to do justice to that masterpiece. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, try to watch Tokyo Story before next week's episode, because there will be spoilers. I, I can't really talk about movies without giving at least a few spoilers. So yeah, until then, this is Steven TM signing off, and I'll see you next time for Tokyo Story.